2: We're live from the Weston uptown ACC kickoff. No, we're not talking to any guests. We're playing Immaculate Grid right now. At least that's what Josh Graham is doing. He's left his post. He's Uh. come to join us to talk about ACC football. But instead, we started talking Johnny Cueto, Edison Volquez, and what were some obscure names? I think you brought up Edwin Jackson as well, you were playing Immaculate an Grid. An obscure
3: name actually just walked by to say hi. Former Brewers All-Star Larry Sorensen, who used to work at ESPN and does radio work for Wake Forest. And I'm going to call shenanigans on Immaculate Grid because it's it says All-Star and Kansas City Royal. A Chapman played for the Royals, but I guess didn't make an All-Star team with... The Royals? I ran into this problem on the
2: football side of things because I needed a first-team All-Pro with Washington. I typed Josh Norman in. He got his All-Pro with Carolina, but they said no. The name went red.
3: I missed it. I got angry and rage quit, and I haven't played it since. There's no, there's no specification that it needed to be with the Royals. He's an All-Star that played for the Royals shenanigans
2: all right shenanigans being called that is the voice of josh graham you can find him on twitter at josh graham show w s j s appreciate him hopping on with us today and the other thing is i asked you for any hot take right i just wanted to go right into it any hot take that you have about the acc football season coming up and you said immediately miami to the acc championship game this year this is your take this is the thing that you are going with moving into the acc season tell us why
3: okay whenever there's recruiting hype Whenever there's a lot of hype surrounding teams that had been largely dormant for their expectations, you should always remember that in college football, productivity comes a year after the hype. We saw this. North Carolina was number 10 in the country two years ago, and they didn't live up to that hype. A year later, after we hear about all the recruiting and all the stuff, they make it to the ACC championship game, which is why I picked North Carolina to make the Coastal last year and bypassed all the hype with Miami two years ago. Picked Pittsburgh. Only guy in the media to do that, to win the ACC. And it feels like this year, kind of like North Carolina was the trendy team a couple years back and didn't work out. Miami was that team last year, didn't work out while Carolina bounced back. I think that's what's going to happen with the Hurricanes because they still have the recruiting. It's year two for Mario Cristobal. Cristobal, one of the best years he ever had at Oregon, was the second year. Tyler Van Dyke, we've seen him do it before. And now that he has the Houston O.C. that's coming in to spread things out a little more, we know what Dana Holgerson's teams are capable of doing. I think Miami's a team that's been slept on, and they have the talent with four and five stars all over the place that I think because people got burned by them a year ago, mm-hmm. they're not being picked and they should get more hype, not the other team from So the wait, form. are
2: you the one now driving the U is back bandwagon?
3: For this year, the U okay, is back.
2: Okay, okay, and we're calling it that too because a lot of people will play the semantics game on whether the U is back. Would that be considered the U is back if they get to the ACC championship and lose?
3: I'm gonna have a new term. Okay. The U is number two. <laughs> <Okay>. That's it. <laughs> I don't think, the I don't think they wanna roll with that. The U is number two, because Clemson's still the best team in this league and it's not close but the U is number two is what we're going with but when gambling's legal in the state of North Carolina see I'm just preparing people Mm -hmm. for this wink wink nod nod Miami's 23 to 1 odds right now to win the ACC like six best odds not a lot of people were talking about miami right now and when you look at the talent there are very few teams that are more talented than they are
2: no it's a solid case i like all of it now i want to try to apply that theory to the macro because florida state is the trendy team this year where of course we have some evidence they yeah. won 10 games last season they have a million guys returning top picks that are deciding to come back to tallahassee to try to do something even more impressive this year so it's not like they're sneaking up on everybody but by that logic a trendy team, maybe Florida State's time is next year, if they're the trendy team this year, or are you rolling all in with Florida State as a team that could also
3: really compete for the ACC championship? I'm not in on Florida State. Okay. I don't get it because Mike Norvell, see, I'm an East Carolina graduate, as you know. I watched Mike Norvell at Memphis, wasn't all that impressed then, and at Florida State, I, I get it. They have this history. They have this brand. So everybody wants this to be, 2003 all over again or 93 all over again with florida state but the reality is their best years they're still three loss team they're still a three loss team and when you look at their schedule lsu might win the whole damn thing and that's who you're opening up with and you have to go to death valley this year it'd be a different conversation if there was some ramp up time for them if there was a more manageable schedule if you didn't have to go to clemson but those things that that's just not gonna get that's not gonna be easy And because the hype is where it's at, I just think it's unrealistic to expect that they're going to meet that hype.
2: So I think I'm falling victim to the on-paper thing with them. Like, I'm just looking at their roster, and they look amazing, Josh. I Merce,
3: Benson, all the dudes.
2: It's crazy talent. So It's it's really coming down to Norvell for you, it seems like, for the most part.
3: Yeah, and also, it's, it's just a different expectation level for Jordan Travis. He was on the same field with Anthony Richardson last year and was the better quarterback on that field. He was and I don't want to take anything away from that guy but it's a different deal entirely when no one's expecting that of you then people who are saying that you could be a fringe national title contender we again to bring back north carolina a couple years ago it was totally different in 2020 when sam Howe was dishing it out to diami brown and daz newsom and all those guys versus a year after that when people were projecting him to be a top 5 pick like mentally the the way that teams game plan you and teams gun for you it's it's a totally different animal when you're supposed to be the team when you're the hunted so to speak versus the hunters and florida state is now transitioning from being the hunters to the hunted
2: josh graham joining us on the bodyworks plus guest hotline kind of here at the weston uptown sports radio 92 7 wfnz so josh let's go to your feelings about north carolina's football team you just brought it up brought them up some of the skill positions that they've had in years past you bring up the amazing wide receivers Not as good as they've had in the past. You don't have Josh Downs this year. You don't have the crop of De'Ami Brown and some of the other Daz Newsoms, if you will. How good do you feel about North Carolina coming into this? I
3: think you just described it. We've seen this movie. Like, don't watch Rudy expecting at the very end something different than him getting the sack on the final play. Like, you know how this movie goes because just a couple years ago, like, I remember asking Mac Brown the week of that Virginia Tech game where they lost when they were number 10 in the country question I asked was, are you at the place as a program where you can lose multiple draft picks on a side of a ball? In that case, Newsom, Diami Brown, two running backs that got drafted, and it not show on the field. And he said, maybe Clemson's the only team in the league that can probably survive that. I don't know if all that much has changed over the last two years when, again, you lose your top running back, you lose your top two receivers. That's a tough ask for Drake May, who also... The final month of the season, I know because I was there, lost to a couple third-string quarterbacks in Georgia Tech and NC State and then didn't really do a heck of a lot in the championship game right down the road from where we're sitting against Clemson, even though that's a little bit more understandable. I I think Drake May is bound to see some resistance because defensive coordinators get paid a lot for a reason there's going to be some adjustment but also the type of talent that surrounds them is not the same as it was a year ago yeah i mean i i've talked about this too getting
2: benefit of the doubt when you're trying to reload as a top-notch squad north carolina doesn't have that Clemson has shown they deserve it. I know it's faltered a little bit the last couple of seasons, but a down year for them is barely winning the ACC championship. It's Florida State's best year. Yeah. Clemson's down year. Well, and we even, if we just want to go to a different conference, we were asking that question about Georgia losing so many guys on the defensive side of the ball. Did they have benefit of the doubt for their reload power? And, yep. They would win the whole damn thing once again. It's going to be tough with North Carolina to do that. And speaking of defense, it's always going to come down to that side. Like, even if you lose skill players, Drake May, to me, is good enough, despite the faltering in the last month of the season, to help him out. But defensively, they haven't figured anything out in the last what? I mean, ever since Mac Brown came over and he's been recruiting top talent, but it hadn't shown up on the defensive side on Saturdays, that's ultimately what it comes down to. It
3: does, and you have a lot of... A lot of those five-star, four-star types that Carolina's got is on the defensive side. So I'm hoping eventually that will reveal itself with Gene Chizik going into his second year as a defensive coordinator. But let's also not forget another loss on offense is Phil Longo. I I know there's this argument that, oh, North Carolina needed to be tougher and they needed a coach that can instill toughness and these types of things. But Phil Longo's offenses were pretty darn prolific with Sam Howe and with Drake May. And we don't know. Nobody knows yet what it's going to look like or how much different it's going to look with Chip Lindsey now calling plays.
2: Um, I want to go too because you don't have much turnover this year at the head coaching spot. You have Brom coming in and you have some interim guys that are taking over. Mm-hmm. But as far as straight up new fresh faces at the head coaching spot in the ACC, not nearly as much as you had last year when you had four guys coming in. So you have four two-year coaches mm-hmm. within the ACC. The offensive coordinator spots, though, those have been big time deals this year. So you have Robert and I with NC State pairing up with Brendan Armstrong. Now you go get Garrett Riley, if you're Clemson, to try to revamp that offense with a new quarterback and Kate Klubnick after DJU started most of the season last year. What offensive coordinator QB marriage are you most excited to see?
3: Garrett Riley. Why That's is that? the answer. Because he. We saw what he did at T C U last year and there's gonna be such great fascination whether or not he could do that with K Klubnik, who's another one of those five star kids that everybody wanted. And like you and you come from a factory that produced the likes of Drew Brees and produced, you know, star players, Nick Foles and terrific pros all across the place. That's a guy who's ready for the big time. And I actually really like their skill position players. It's the best it's been, which isn't saying a lot. Since so T. Higgins and Justin Ross and receiver, Travis, Etienne. You, right. Travis Etienne was running around. Like I really like Antonio Williams. I really like uh, Bo Collins. And, of course, you have Will Shipley back at running back. I, I think Clemson's offense is going to be fine. Garrett Riley and Cade Clubnick are worth betting on. And on defense, you lose a lot, but every year. They've more than earned the benefit of the doubt. When you still got dudes at every level, like Xavier Thomas is back for like his eighth or ninth Van Wilder-like season. Mm. You got linebackers who are going to be first-round draft picks. It feels like every year, and then in the secondary you got uh, Mukoba, and again guys who feel like they've been there forever. I, I just think Clemson is the short pick, and they've earned the benefit of the doubt more so.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think they are worth betting on. I I just think the the wild card here
3: is— Because, by the way, it's plus money. It's the first time in eight years it's plus money. Like, you don't have to bet more than you get in order to bet Clemson because of the Florida State hype.
2: It is the smart bet. One that I would not be getting anywhere close to with my money is the NC State marriage between Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong. So, Brennan Armstrong, Mm -hmm. different style offense at Virginia last year. Tony Elliott comes in after Brennan just went nuclear in the ACC the year prior. Just went bonkers. No one expected that type of production. And then it was a 180-degree turn in the very wrong direction. But now you get the offensive coordinator that was allowing you to have some of these Star Wars numbers and you're at a different place, but it's hard to erase the memory of what you just saw from Brendan last year. Where are you with that marriage? And Dave Doran, who is a good college football coach, being the guy that is uh, overseeing all of I'm gonna it. I'm going to be
3: admittedly bad at radio okay. for a second. Like, you guys are really good at radio, which is why I'm so glad to sit here. But (laughs) I'm gonna be bad at radio and say something that you're not allowed to say. Don't worry, I'm not gonna say any of those words that the FCC would have Mm -hmm. issue with. Get the dump button ready, Josh. I don't know. Okay. You're not allowed to not know. You gotta have a take and defend it to the death. I get it. I have no idea. And that's why I'm so fascinated, more than any quarterback in the state of North Carolina this year, who are all fascinated. Riley Leonard with the numbers going into year two. Drake May for obvious reasons. Mitch Griffiths. Think about this. Dave Clausen, every time he's had to bring in a new quarterback since he's been there, they started as true freshmen. John Wolford, Jamie Newman for the one year. Sam Hartman in 2018. Mitch Griffiths has been there now for three years. (laughs) And he's starting at Wake. So they're going to be fine offensively. I have no idea. What's going to happen with Brennan Armstrong and NC State? That is perhaps the most fascinating storyline in the state of North Carolina this year. What's going to happen there now that Brennan Armstrong is paired again with Robert
2: Adonai? It's not even close to me. Like, that's the biggest wild card among everything because NC State, good football program. Like, you expect good things from them pretty much every single season. And now where Devin Leary had a ton of hype, I was a Devin Leary fan coming in. And... For whatever reason, you I know, still you've have had stock. a bunch of the injuries. I yeah. have my,
3: I'm not a big stock guy, but I have it. i have Devin Leary's stock. Why? Because SEC quarterbacks aren't any good. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the best quarterback in the SEC? Joe Milton? How'd that go at Michigan?
2: Oh, I can't wait! But but seventy-yard bombs turn me on so much. Oh, he Josh. could
3: throw an orange a hundred yards. I, I, I'm, cool. I'm so ready for it.
2: Oh, yes, I do. But I do think it's cool. You say it in a sarcastic way. I'm here to tell you, I do legitimately think There are
3: orange. Cool. There's a bowl of oranges right over there. I want to mm. see if you can throw an orange all the way across this room. If so, so Heupel, I'm ready
2: you know, I, I hope this video goes viral. Hypel, if I throw this orange 100 yards like Josh
3: is challenging me to, I want a spot. That's all it takes for SEC hype machine. Like, hey, Jamie Newman goes from Wake to Georgia. Well, now he reminds us of Cam Newton and Tim Tebow. And Oh, why? Because you're in the Southeastern Conference, and here, here you are, Joe Milton. Throw an orange a hundred yards, uh, and now we're going to say you're a Heisman candidate.
2: Hypnotize me. It's working. I'm weak. I'm weak-minded. I, these are the drones that I'm looking for. Last one. I would. I did want to get to. Please. I did want to get to the college basketball conversation because some exciting news coming in this week. Home and home between Kansas and North Carolina.
3: Is Josh Marlowe making you ask me this? When that news
2: came through, Fiddy, real time. Flounder can attest to it. Called Flounder to say, hey, this can be its own topic on a podcast, like a
4: yeah. 40-minute long
2: podcast. This sure. could be its own topic. He stopped working on our show, mm-hmm. started working on Heel Tough blog and Four Corners podcast content, writing up, pulled his computer out, started writing an article right in front of me while we were 40 minutes away. So, yes – I do find a lot of value in it, clearly as you do as well. I've heard your takes on it, but we're all very excited. Man, two powerhouses meeting together on each other's campuses. It's going to be a lot of fun.
3: Aside from the final four where you literally transition from arenas to playing in football stadiums, Kansas playing North Carolina in basketball on campus is as big as the sport can feel. If you've been to Allen Fieldhouse, as I have, you get that sensation. The rules of basketball right there that Dr. James Naismith hundred and fifty years ago, and a statue of him, and it's nestled right at the center of campus, you just feel college basketball at its roots, how big it can feel and then at the Dean dome, when you're walking down Skipper Bull's Drive, and you see that massive dome at the top of the hill, and you see how high those ceilings are, and eighteen nineteen thousand seats, the fact that Kansas has not played at North Carolina ever considering the history of these programs. Wilt Chamberlain going up against Lenny Rosenbluth in 1957, and two years ago when Hubert's yelling at Tracy Wilson said, live at you, Tracy, before blowing that lead. I mean, the history there. Dean Smith went to Kansas. Roy Williams went to North Carolina. Larry Brown went to North Carolina. And the fact that Kansas has never been to Chapel Hill, and North Carolina hasn't been to Kansas since 1960, the year before Dean Smith became the head coach, you're right. Incredible's not even... It's too loose of a word. It's too loosely used. It doesn't capture it, how big this is for college basketball. Fiddy is ready to
2: run through a brick wall at the Planet Kia Studios. Josh just caused damage back at the crib. We apologize, Jeff, for you having to fork over a bill that is going to have to take care of some of that damage. Sorry, Jeff. He's shaking right now. Like, Fiddy is shaking because, look, even if you said you were bad at radio, what a vivid picture you just painted all right there. He that needs a amazing. cigarette. He's that, post-coital. <laughs> I, think, I think all of us do. He's ready to throw an under uh, an orange over 100 yards. <laughs> That's Josh <laughs> fiddy Marlowe back at the Plantakia Studios, freaking out. And that is because we just heard the voice of one Josh Graham, a part of WSJS. Follow him on Twitter. Great follow, at Josh Graham Show. Appreciate the time, man. That was a lot of fun. So now Thanks, guys. But as I promised, Jeremy Michaels, ACC Network Programming Executive, now joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jeremy, how's ACC Media Days going for you?
5: It's fantastic. It's it's always a circus. Um, Now it's a three-day circus instead (laughs) of a two-day circus. But we love it. We love kicking off the football season this way having our entire network here all of our talent all of our production teams um, just creating the environment that you see behind you and you all being here it's it's fantastic environment i love
2: it are you a fan of the three-day event or were you more of a fan of the two-day event
5: uh i'm a fan of more content there you go all the time same
2: yes i i
5: think that uh all of us would agree that we can't talk enough football um, and so spreading it out over three days, it probably makes people a lot more tired, um, but uh, myself included, I'm running on fumes right now. I got another <laughs> day and a half to go, but I, I love every part of this. Um, you know, I, I think that the college football season is the most brilliantly constructed product there is because it always leaves you wanting more. And it's why we, we spend so much time talking about it in the off season. And uh, I'm ready to kick off the games, but I, I love that that we're, we're here, we have the players, we have the coaches. Um, you know, we we hear from the conference, uh, it's it's just a great environment to, to really start the hype train.
2: Alright, last question about ACC kickoff itself. Are you going to be a two-time reception-slash-dinner guy, or are you just going to one? Because it's been very interesting to see how people are game-planning for that.
5: So I was able to skip last night, okay. which is great. Uh, we had a corporate <laughs> partner summit here, there you go. so we, we're turning this into not just a media circus but a, but a partner circus as well, and we had all of our corporate partners in yesterday uh, running through what we're doing for the upcoming season, and then we had had a dinner with them last night so I got to kind of pull back uh, on the reception part of it but I will be there
2: tonight. Um, that is the voice of Jeremy Michaels on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. ACC Network programming executive unveiling exciting new programming for the ACC Network. Jeremy what was some of the main objective, what were the main objectives that you were looking for when rolling out this new layout? Well when we designed the ACC Huddle
5: as a, as a traveling show um, we knew we wanted to be different. We, we didn't want to be just another morning show. We do have an hour in the morning to kick the day off but one of the things that I always notice with something like college game day and and college game day is about as perfect as it gets. But at noon they wrap up and leave just when the day is really starting to kick off and so my vision for this was that we would build momentum throughout the day. So we're going to follow around our ACC primetime football game and just build excitement and build momentum throughout the day. It elevates how that game feels it's how it looks on TV remember the first time we did this uh, two years ago at NC State uh, I was in the press box at halftime and looking around at all the other games that were on at the time at the time and our game just really stuck out because our talent was in the stadium they were they were they had that atmosphere in the background and that's what we wanted to capture every single week. Uh, So we're gonna have two sets that come to campus, we're gonna have a corporate partner activation outside with a set that's in the tailgate area, and then we're gonna have another set inside the stadium that, uh, for our pre-game show ahead of that primetime game, we're we're right in the thick of it. Uh, We get the intros of the teams, um, we're capturing all the pageantry that all of the schools in this league
2: uh, have, and they're all unique, and we want to put them on display. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. So two of the ACC Network signature programs, ACC Huddle, ACC PM. They will travel to college football game sites every week of the regular season. How important was it for you to catch that pageantry by traveling to some of these game sites?
5: I, I thought it was critical for us. The ACC has such great brands and, the, and unique uh, environments. Uh, you know, it spans from Boston all the way to Miami with, you know, a lot of teams in the Mid Atlantic. And, uh, you know, I just think that there's such a, a unique quality about. The, the diversity of fan bases and we wanted to show all of it um, and being able to be on campus on Friday, we get to capture some of that excitement uh, on campus in the, in the afternoon with, with Mark Packer and Taylor Tannenbaum um, and then they're going to be part of our show all day Saturday
2: too. It's just we're, we're bringing an army of people to campus each week. That's Jeremy Michaels, ACC Network Programming Executive, joining us on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'm also interested in just what goes into the programming when you talk about the actual content, because I do want to go back to Jeff Capel's comments last year during the college basketball season, discussing how he would watch other other media outlets and he would see them, quote-unquote, uplifting some of the schools within the conference, and that wasn't happening enough when watching the ACC Network. What do you take away from some of those comments, or do you just have to kind of focus on what you guys want to do as an entity?
5: I hope I'm not revealing too much, but that, that came up. We meet with all of the coaches yeah. every year in Amelia Island, and, and that was a big part of our conversation. We really kind of wanted to know what what was the motivation behind that comment, and I, I don't think it was necessarily as directed at us as it probably seemed. Uh, I think that, that he, he heard some comments that, that probably weren't even our talent or, or on our network, and. Um, we had a great conversation and talked through that because ACC Network is a representation of the ACC. We we are here to uplift every one of these programs. We want the next generation of student-athletes, when they're evaluating where they want to go to school, we, we want to be the biggest recruiting tool for, for all of the programs in this league. Uh, and we're proud of the work that we do and, and the talent that we have covering these networks, uh, the, you know, I'm just looking at E.J. Manuel standing up over there. I mean, w- what a legend. And and he's on our network every day. Our basketball talent is second to none. Uh, our nothing but net crew with three national champions and and uh, most outstanding Final Four players on the men's side. And we have, you know, Hall of Famer and Muffet McGraw on, on the women's side. Uh, it, I, I'm proud of the talent that we have, it's extraordinary and, and I think in, in that particular instance I, we had a great conversation with the coach and I, I think that we uh, we have a good understanding
2: of, of what that was about. I have to imagine that's hard, trying to make decisions based off of being objective, uplifting the conferences and then here you have a coach like Coach Capel saying, you know, it's not happening with the Big Ten Network or anything like that, but understandable that you would have a, have to meet uh, have a meeting trying to figure all that stuff out. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. We're live at the Westin for ACC kickoff. Well, you got to hear like 95% of that interview with Jeremy Michaels talking about the new schedule for the ACC network. Also, got a Jeff Capel question in there. Hey, how do you like somebody clowning your programming? Didn't love it, had the meeting good stuff we'll put that on the website wfnz.com all you have to do is click on the podcast tab wes and walker gonna be very easy to find we'll have all that stuff up for you a little bit later on in the show gonna try my best wes bryant impression right now by taking us to the campus kona all right we have the media he does that every time too all right Let's go into the sound bites. Here we go from Jim Phillips. He spoke yesterday at ACC kickoff discussing the situation at Northwestern after I thought maybe he might not even talk on it whatsoever. He did give you a couple of comments on uh, a couple of his comments on the situation that took place
6: earlier um, in the month. As you are aware, I released a statement last week: "This is a very difficult time for the Northwestern community, and my heart goes out to any person who carries the burden of mistreatment or who has been harmed in any way. During my 30-year career in college athletics, my highest priority has always been the health and safety of all student athletes. As you know, with this matter in litigation, I'm unable to share anything more at this time. So I didn't expect to hear much from Jim
2: Phillips on that front anyway. That's about what I expected from him. And there was some more news coming out of Northwestern. The athletic teams will begin participating in mandatory in-person anti-hazing seminars conducted by outside groups, beginning with the football team, of course, as athletic director Derek Gragg said, and he is committed toward making sure that nothing like this ever happens again. And so now, unfortunate as it is, it's extremely unfortunate, you're hoping that the other leagues will capitalize, and making sure they don't have any situation like this happen for them to then say, we won't have anything else happen like this. Hopefully now you understand the example, and Jim Phillips can get off running to this with making sure it does not happen whatsoever within the ACC regular season, this upcoming season, and beyond. Let's go to some more Jim Phillips audio. Next sound bite I wanted to play is Jim Phillips talking about how The league is indeed healthy and the unequal revenue distribution is a plan that they're working out right now.
6: The league is healthy. It it just is. And certainly there's rumblings, again, we all saw what happened in the springtime. But the group has come together in a way, uh, to me, that demonstrates they want to work together to find solutions. We've worked with Fishbait on our eight point plan, generating new additional revenue. The ESPN partnership is really strong and ESPN and the ACC are completely motivated together to generate additional dollars. You see that the conference presidents and chancellors have initiated the success initiative in, in, success and incentive initiative which is going to distribute dollars in a disproportionate way. We've never gone down that road before in the ACC and I'm not sure many conferences have. And so revenue generation continues to be a priority.
2: Fiddy, I'm going to kick this one back to you. So are you convinced by Jim Phillips when he says the ACC is healthy and then gives you evidence by saying it just is? Is that a convincing argument for you that the ACC is indeed healthy?
7: Yeah. Um that's I mean that's the best way of saying yeah we're not a healthy league but I'm going to tell you that we're healthy and this is this is the problem that I think we have with 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 the commissioner is that he, he never really seems confident in what he's trying to sell us because everybody will tell you hey this league eight this league is not in the in the best standing spot and the best evidence of that is that is when you add the was it the magnificent 7 or whatever they were calling themselves back That's in right. you know late may early june talking about another way to get out of the conference, so until that stops happening, until the Carolina, the Clemsons, the Florida States are actively trying to leave the ACC, Jim Phillips can try all he wants. He can't convince me that this league is healthy.
2: All right, let's go to more Jim Phillips sound. Here he is talking about how we should expect to see more high-profile out-of-conference matchups because of the bigger margin of error.
6: With the expanded playoff, I think you're gonna see more of those kinds of games because you can, you can suffer a loss, and maybe even two, and still get into a 12-team playoff. So, you know, the, the the unique thing about scheduling is it it's done individually. So the conference office doesn't have a lot of um, influence on it. You know, we can uh, we've tried to set up some games like we did in Ireland, which will be great. That's a conference game. But uh, I commend our schools that are playing difficult non-conference games. And what I'd like to see in the selection moving forward is there being, you know, more emphasis on the games that you are playing, right, and what's the totality, what's the resume look across a 12-game schedule, not just what you've done in your own conference, but who have you played in the non-conference schedule. So look forward to those games and many more that you've described.
2: So with this non-conference schedule, maybe you're seeing bigger high-profile matchups between teams because of the bigger margin of error. To me, that reveals, even though I understand what's going on, it feels like you're scheduling scared at least in the previous years, because you don't want to suffer a loss, and then if you do lose, then you just think you're not going to have any shot to get to the college football playoff. I understand that being the goal for the top teams in all of these conferences, but that does lead to scared scheduling, which is an awful thing. Now, what's great is that North Carolina is going to open up their season against a South Carolina squad that had a very nice year last year, and you can only expect great things going forward under head coach Shane Beamer. Now the thing is, Mac Brown is also talking about how he doesn't love the schedule. He's had so many different complaints. Fiddy, we'll throw it back to you. What do you think of Jim Phillips' comments there about the high-profile matchups that we could see out of uh, out of conference?
7: Yeah, this is actually something that he said that isn't wrong or, or, or he isn't lying about. It. I do think you'll see teams be more willing to play in these high-profile matchups in the non-conference portion of their season, and I think the sport needs that. Remember, like five, six, seven years ago, it felt like every Every start of the season, the first two to three weeks, you had mammoth matchups all the way across the board. The playoff kind of dwindled that because now teams are like, well, we got to play non-conference games. We're not going to go play... Oregon. We're not going to go play in Notre Dame or whoever. Expanded playoff, I think you'll see that because even if you lose, if you go 10-1, and 11-2 or whatever, you're still going to be rewarded with a playoff spot at the end of the regular season.
2: Yeah, I agree and hopefully that will come to fruition and Jim Phillips is right about that comment seeing high-profile games because that's exactly what everybody wants as a consumer of college football. Let's go to the last soundbite talking about the CW 50 where Jim Phillips discusses a new relationship. Here he is talking about what used to be the WB Now the ACC going to be airing on the CW.
6: We've had a great relationship with our TV partners. Um, you know Raycom has been a wonderful partner of the CC, uh, the ACC forever and they were incredibly helpful along with ESPN in getting the CW and I think all of you understand distribution and eyeballs and and being able to be visible in all of the regions that our schools are but across the country and that was one of the things when I came almost well two and a half years ago um, the frustrations that we had about I can't find my team I can't find some of the games and so Raycom will produce the games, and they'll be distributed on the CW. And CW is getting into sports, etc. And all you know, they have live golf, and that, that's getting a lot of attention for different reasons. But we are really excited about that. So we get to see the
2: CW secure the rights to 50 ACC games beginning September 9th with Pitt's football game against Cincinnati. 13 ACC football games will air Saturdays on the CW. They'll broadcast 28 ACC men's and women's basketball games through December, January, and February. And the ACC will have men's basketball doubleheaders on the CW every Saturday, women's basketball doubleheaders on Sunday afternoons. Are you going to be tuning in to the CW a lot? And how good of a relationship do you think this can be? How, uh, how beneficial of a relationship do you think this will be for the ACC, Fitty?
7: I just want to know is that, you know, when, when Louisville and Boston College are playing a four-hour marathon on Saturday, is the game going to be cut in for a rerun of Smallville or Supernatural like it's happened with Live Golf? Because if not, then I'm going to be pretty happy. I – I guess I don't hate it because Raycom is going to be back in the fold. They're going to be producing the games and stuff like that. And I guess because it's on cable, it's going to be easier for for much people or for a lot more people to find where the games are and everything. But, you know, if, if your TV relationships were so great with ESPN and you were making the money you were supposed to make off the ACC network, would you really be partnering with the CW? I think that answer is no.
2: Yeah, and, and that might be true. The thing for me, where I think people are probably taking this and running with it, criticizing it a little too much, you're going to be able to watch a ton of games. And I do think that it's all about having as much exposure, even if it's not with one of these big-time TV, you know, one of these big-time TV outlets. It's not going to be like True TV when everybody is tweeting, hey true tv you know, or we're gonna have to watch this why do you, i can't even find this channel once march madness rolls around you're good this is gonna be in your stream of consciousness instead of once every year like it is with march madness cw will be in the stream of consciousness for an entire football season so i think that alone will bring the relevance and as long as you can easily find it then i don't have any problem with it but to answer your first question i just want to know are they going to have some version of clausen's creek when wake forest plays football on the cw that's my question that i have to all of the listeners out there smoke don't give me that eyebrow raise it's a great joke 704 704-57, yes 704-570-9610 feel free to text in share your thoughts and comments i did want to continue talking college football as we end the campus corner for now so we heard from josh graham discussing some of his expectations for Not only Miami football, saying that he thinks they're actually going to get to the ACC championship game, but we were also talking about North Carolina and how it's clearly going to come down to the defense. Fiddy, do you agree with that? Do you think the offense can hold up enough in order for the defense to... You know, finally come through, hold their end uh, of the bargain, and figure out if we can uh, actually see North Carolina back in the ACC championship, competing and actually winning it.
7: Yeah, I mean it's going to be hard pressed for me to say that right now because I haven't seen them. I I, I think, and you know, if you want to give Flounder some more airtime, he can attest to that. the The issue with Carolina defensively is is that there is talent there. And the reason why we all bought in when Matt Brown hired Gene Chiswick was he did wonders with Carolina's defense in 2015 that doesn't have half the talent that they have right now. And last year, it got even worse after you fired Jay Bateman, who was a terrible defensive coordinator and everything. If they can get better up front, you've got arguably one of, if not the best, linebacking duos in the ACC among, and among one of the better ones in all of college football. If you let those guys be able to get to the ball and make plays, I think you can see then take a massive step forward because I think if Carolina is top 65, top 70 in the country defensively, if Drake May rebounds from his four games that that, that to end his as a shirt freshman season a year ago, I think Carolina will at least be in a position when they finish their regular season slate playing, you know, Clemson and NC State and those guys with a chance to get back to the ACC title game and that's all you can really ask for.
2: Well, and the question for me too, it's is Drake May good enough to carry this team like he was last year honestly but you did have somebody like Josh Downs that was one of the better wide receivers in all of college football and we've seen some of that talent especially a couple of years ago when you had someone like Sam Howell who was also a great college quarterback where you had a running back tandem that was Javante Williams and Michael Carter absolutely amazing and so we know that you have Drake May there I think he can carry that offensive squad despite maybe not having as much talent but Flounder I'll bring it to you what do you think of the wide receiver group that you have this year, coming into this season? Is it as strong as they've had in the past? Or are we sleeping on that unit? What say you?
8: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say as strong as we've had in the past. I, I am very encouraged by the group that is there. Um, you know, I, I like Devontae Walker as a transfer. Um, he did some really good things. People say, well, he's coming from Kansas State, so how good can he really be? Well, he shined against both Washington and more so against Georgia. So th- this dude's this dude is definitely a perfect fit for what Carolina needs. Nate McCullum did it, you know, at Georgia Tech. He's done it in the ACC before. He's a guy that last year had 655 receiving yards and six touchdowns. Uh, the 655 most since this will be a great pull for you, DeAndre Smelter back in 2014. Love it, and he's 60 catches a year ago that is the most by a georgia tech receiver since calvin johnson was on campus all right so it shows you that he's a guy that sort of ch- made them change what they did offensively now he's coming into a system that fits him better offensively and you've got the guys that are holdovers from last year like kobe Pesor who i love um, gavin blackwell who's taking a step the running game i think is going to be stronger this year because there's going to be to me there, there's going to be a knowledge of what you've got you know, last year when they went to Elijah Green, we didn't really know what Elijah Green was. Omari and Hampton started the first game of the year. He was a true freshman. So now you're going to have both of those guys leading your unit. Now they got to figure out what the rotation is going to be there. But if they can figure that out, Teams May, who was on with us, works, you know, for the uh, Tar Heel Radio Network. He said that the offensive line, they're doing some different things. This This, this offense is still going to be good. And you've got a guy, look, man. Sam Howell, I love Sam Howell, man. That was my dude. I followed him since he was a freshman in high school when I used to cover him for the newspaper I worked for. So there was clearly with him, that was my guy. Drake May is more talented
2: than him, man. Yeah, like Drake May's next level. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, he's going to be – look, we had that conversation a little bit with Sam Howe, but perhaps it was far-fetched. It's not far-fetched with Drake May being the second overall pick, possibly, possibly the first overall pick if Caleb Williams has any kind of down year. That will do it for the campus corner. Wanted to remind everybody about – the ACC Network new layout. How about that? Entering its sophomore season, ACC PM will feature co-host Mark Packer and Taylor Tannenbaum, who joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. The football-focused weekday show will continue to deliver news and commentary from around the ACC weekdays from 4 to 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. Taylor, thanks so much for stopping by. How are you?
0: I'm good. What's up, guys? Yeah. How, how you holding
2: out? We're, we're holding here. up okay. Yeah. We're doing well. We've got a, a bunch of guests hopping on, talking a lot. Of ACC football, as you would expect. My question is: I know you were talking about the schedule. I've been asking some people yeah. about it. Are you a fan of the three-day week that we have now, or I am. more more so the two days? No, so you like three days?
0: I like because it gives you time to, first of all, breathe. Second of all, actually take in what people are saying. Right? You're not just in and out, in and out, just regurgitating information. Like, you can actually talk to some folks, listen intently. You can, They can talk for longer, too. So, I'm a fan of the three-day. This should be an event. It's, it's the unofficial kickoff to the season, and it gets everyone excited. And, honestly, everyone's in a good mood because no one's lost a game yet, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> we got to capitalize on the good mood yeah, as much on. as we possibly can. Sometimes it just doesn't happen with some coaches every now and then. You're just not going to get the good mood no matter what. Nah. But this is the best opportunity to capitalize it as much as possible. How excited are you about the new layout on ACC Network?
0: I'm pumped. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun getting to go on the road every single weekend, which is massive uh, for fans at home who can't necessarily go out and be out to to bring it back home to people from all the different campuses. That primetime game is obviously key. I'm pumped to get to move to the sidelines this fall for that primetime 8 p.m. kick with uh, Wes Durham and Tim Hasselbeck on the call as well. So that will be really fun Just just to – uh, just to get our faces out there and to to bring to the forefront ACC football, I think we could have a really, really good year. There are some teams flying under the radar a little bit, but some really bomb quarterbacks. Uh, so we'll see what happens.
2: All right, so who are the teams? Tell us, who are the teams you think are flying under the oh, radar look, this year? Uh,
0: we're going to talk Florida State. We're going to talk Clemson. We're naturally going to talk North Carolina because of Drake May, even though they need a little bit more from their defense. Let's all be honest with ourselves. Um, but I think the teams like Pitt, who to be honest with you, should be in the conversation year in and year out. They did just win an ACC championship a couple of weeks ago. But unfortunately, they get they get left out once or twice. Um, Miami, you know, I, I don't like to leave them out of the conversation. I don't like to put them in the conversation every time because what have you done for us lately? Not that much, but with that being said, It's year two under Mario Cristobal. It's going to be a a very interesting case study. He has gone out and rehauled the entire roster. His coaching staff as well. Uh, So I think there are big things coming for Miami. Uh, Georgia Tech's even exciting in a a, a funny way because Brent Key, he was here yesterday with the Jackets. You can just sense the passion coming from him. And they snuck up on some teams last year, right, and and went four and four in that back half when he was the interim head coach. Man, what can he do when playing? They have one of the tougher schedules, and they start off against Louisville who... As a new head coach and Jeff Brown, they can be a factor, especially without being in an Atlantic now, right? There's no divisions. So, it can be anybody's ball game, I really believe. Uh,
2: yeah, so if these teams are not as appreciated as they should be, we all know the narrative about the ACC that it is a far cry from when you would go up those escalators and then you would see the statue, the championship that Clemson won, and the Heisman Trophy that Lamar Jackson won. Since then, you've been trying to get back to something right. within that same neighborhood. Do you think the national narrative about the ACC will change when this season is all said and done?
0: It has to. The only way it'll change is if uh, they start winning non conference games. The ACC, right? So uh, I'll give you a statistic. Last year, the ACC played more non-conference Power 5 games than any other conference. They played 28, but their record was 10-18. and 18. Yeah. That's not going to cut it, right? So yeah, yeah, it's great to schedule them, and I commend all of these. You know, you think of Pitt's schedule, Pat Narduzzi, it's crazy. They have Cincy, they have West Virginia. They have no slouches. You think uh you know even even virginia has tennessee right off the bat you know they there's some tough games north carolina south carolina early uh, there're some big games on the schedule florida state lsu if you don't win those then people are going to say well they can't win those games and i mean the proof is in the pudding so yes the narrative can change this season Uh, but they have to win those games all
2: right so i'm looking for the most disrespected figure in the acc last question because you've been going with pat narduzzi the nard dog as we like to call him is pat narduzzi the most disrespected figure to you in the conference no
0: not necessarily the most i think the one that slept on the most and just like really is is wake forest man
2: oh my co-host would be thrilled he is a wake forest alum hey
0: come on he played on
2: the offensive line wake forest he loves that answer
0: they they go to bowl games they have 8 9 win seasons and still people are like oh it was a fluke no it's con- it's been consistent under dave clausen and he recruits and develops players mm-hmm. better than anybody else they don't you don't see four and five stars running around there at wake forest but what he does is get players that Will work for their team and he makes them better. He, he puts the staff around them to make them better. So I would say maybe the most respected, disrespected mm-hmm. unit would be Wake Forest.
2: All right, you heard it here from Taylor Tannebaum. The only take that matters, according to my co host Wes Bryant. <laughs> there you find go. her on Twitter at Taylor Tannebaum, and you can also find her on the ACC network doing a bunch of stuff. Renaissance person that is Taylor Tannebaum. We appreciate it, Taylor. Have Thanks, a great guys. rest of your day. You yeah. too. Thanks so much. That was a lot of fun. It's Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are at the ACC kickoff, live from the and Uptown. This is how we get our interview started on Weston Walker. We're getting our day started with a projected top five pick. Florida State defensive end, Jared Verse, now joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jared, how's your first ACC media day going?
9: I ain't going to lie, it's a lot more than I expected, and I love every bit of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's always a lot of fun. We always get hyped up for it. We appreciate you joining us here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I did want to ask you about how different this off season feels. I guess you were going into last year with the expectations, maybe not being as high when you guys were getting slept on, and then boom, you double your win total. You go from five wins to ten wins. How different does this off season feel compared to the off season that you went with the Seminoles last year?
9: I think everybody knows what we're capable of now. Like last year was kind of like, uh, okay, like we got a lot of pieces. Let's be better than we were last year. Everybody came into it ready to attack, ready to work, ready to do everything they could. But this year it's like, like. I've heard the word so many times say expectations. Yeah, Everybody's talking about how big the expectations are for us and people want to live up to that so bad. So everybody's going out there and pushing themselves even more, not even just for the fan base or for Florida State, but for the brotherhood that we have as a team.
2: Yeah, you clearly have a brotherhood. I wanted to get to that in just a moment. I did want to talk about the expectations that you guys have within yourselves. I mean, look, some people will reveal the goals, play off or bust, just do as best as you can. I mean, clearly the goal has to be going all the way with this talent that you have, right?
9: I, I will say it like this. Our goal is just to give our best. Yes, we won the National Championship. We won the ACC Championship. Sure. We want to be the top of the top. But us, we know we will get all of that if we give everything we can. And that's what we have to do.
2: Well, and Jared, you were supposed to be a top five pick or a top pick this year, too. And you decide to come back. And there's a lot of talent Coming back this year, and that's why so many people are high on the Seminoles to win the championship, maybe here within the ACC, possibly go to the college football playoff. What was that like with you talking with so many other guys on the team, deciding, you know, we can have a special year if we all come back? And I know some of it was out of guys' control, but, you know, for someone like you who could have been a top pick, here you are coming back to Florida State. Man, it seems like all of you shared the common goal in trying to go beyond what you even achieved last year.
9: Yeah, last year it was definitely, I would say, a successful season. We do our win total, like you spoke about before, we made it to a bowl game. We won. We ended up winning the Cheezer Bowl against a good Oklahoma team. An Oklahoma team that's a lot better than their record. I will give them credit every day of the week. That team was a lot better than what they had on their record. Mm-hmm. But you know, we were pretty good and everything like that. But this year, it's like we got all these people come back. Jordan Travis came back. Kaylin Deloach came back. Fabian Love. We got all these guys come back. I'm talking with them. They're like, bro. Shoot come back. I'm like... This was this was not collective. Uh, I mean, it was somewhat collective,
2: right, when you guys were yeah. talking about, yeah, I think I am going to come back to Tallahassee and stuff like that?
9: Yeah, It was always like like a one-on-one conversation with yeah. each of us with each other. And I was talking with uh, J-Dub the one day. He was like, bro, come back. Like, he sat down with me like gave me a full layout. And I was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm going to think about it. <laughs> it was at the It Bowl. I decided before we played the bowl game I didn't tell anybody. I, I told Trey Benson, he said, no, you're not, bro. He, he, didn't, believe me. <laughs> he didn't believe me until I posted it like that day. <laughs> I,
2: it, it sounds like it came down to the wire for you
9: oh yeah it was definitely close I was like should I leave you know because I got injured last year I didn't want that to be a right. factor this year but then I was like no they took care of me when I did get hurt I was like right, I definitely gotta run it back with my guys
2: all right so one Seminole that went pro was Jamie Robinson he's a new Panther safety Carolina Panthers fans around the area are thrilled to get him in the fifth round and we did the blueprint series here I don't know if you saw his clip but when GM Scott Fitterer picked Jamie Robinson got on the phone the only dude that wasn't happy because so many teams picked over him and he said look Look, I'm telling you, there's not a million dudes better than me like we're selected. What are the Panthers getting in somebody that you consider a close friend on your team that now is in the NFL And Jamie Robinson? Jamie
9: is the first player I've ever played with. Where if somebody got by me, I knew who was going to handle it. I was like, I turned around, I'm like, all right. I got. Ha- if anything happens, this guy's going down by Jamie's hands. Jamie is a downhill safety. He will crack anything on the run game. In the past game, he will cover anybody and handle business. I Jamie, I wish Jamie came back. I wish. I, <laughs> he baited me, too. He kept telling me he was leaving. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. Then the day before, he announced it. He was like, hey, big news tomorrow. I'm like, is he coming back? Mm-hmm. I, they go post he leaving. I'm like, man, you ain't nothing.
2: Well, we're excited, though, like because the Panthers fans genuinely Excited about Jamie, despite it's. You don't get excited as much about fifth round picks, but a lot of people are excited about Jamie because we feel like he fell around the city too.
9: Oh, Jamie definitely fell around it too. He he could definitely have been picked a lot higher. I thought he was going to be, but like where he went, I'm like, all right, like Jamie now he has a chip on his shoulder. He's gonna work even harder now. I think you're a big
2: fan of Jamie for sure. I feel like he's a bigger fan of you. I saw that clip that you tweeted out about him saying how much he recruited you, how you had like two, three sacks in a game that he was referencing, about how when he saw you coming out of Albany and everybody and their brother was giving you a scholarship opportunity, it was him trying to recruit you to come to Florida State as well. How much did he play a part in your uh, committing to Florida State?
9: It was definitely Florida State was one of my last visits, and you always get a host on a visit, like somebody that will take you around. But, like, you get to meet any of the players. Jamie came into the room while I was watching film and sat me down and, Like was like talking to me like a regular player, like, not like he was trying to recruit me or anything like that. He was like, we can do great things here because mm-hmm. I've seen you, but you talk more about me than anybody else. And I was like, All right, I, I like this guy. Then I got here and I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, this guy's really, yeah, I like this guy.
2: <laughs> Jared Verse, a defensive end for Florida State, joining us live at the West and Uptown for ACC kickoff. Speaking of another Carolina Panther that went to Florida State, Brian Burns. We're still waiting for him to get the bag. You know, Hopefully it happens soon, but he is reporting to camp. We're all very excited about what could come with Brian Burns. Do you have a relationship with him at all? Former Seminole?
9: We follow each other on Instagram about one after one game, he texted me, it was like great game, or good, cool. good player, or anything like that. I haven't gotten to talk to him, like have a full conversation with him. I do want to talk to him, hang out with him, and like really understand his game at some point, because that guy, I do model a little bit of my game after him. But he's somebody I do like, he's somebody that's up there in my eyes. Brian, if you're
2: listening, talk to Jared Verse. It's it's gonna happen. Man, because you've got like i I feel like with your games, Brian Burns is just a freak speed rush athlete off the edge. You got some crazy powerful hands from like what I see. Like, I, and I, I think I saw you talk about Brian Burns being one of the guys that you model your game after. A couple of other defensive ends are in the mix too.
9: Uh, most definitely, Max Crosby is probably one of the, the top ones. Like, I got three top ones: it's Micah Parsons, Brian Burns, and Max Crosby. And Max Crosby has been my guy for about five years. Now. Yeah, I've yeah, been Watching his film, I'm like, like I'm breaking it down, <laughs> slowing it down, reversing. I'm like, this guy's insane.
2: All right, final question. Before we get you out of here, I know you're a busy man. We appreciate it. I have to ask this question for my Charlotte 49er fans and, well, myself. When your offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins, was here, he was insane. Had like a 10-drive stretch where they scored 10 straight touchdowns, also a great offensive line coach. How is it trying to not only go against great talent every day in practice but also coached by somebody with that kind of mind on top of Mike Norvell being a good offensive mind?
9: because coach, you know, he coaches the O-line. He's also the offensive coordinator. But when when we're doing one-on-one pass rushes and say I get beat or like they get their hands. I mean, I like, end up getting put down to the ground or something like that. I walk over to the Coach Atkins. And he'll tell me. He'll be like, "Hey man, you should have done this." Like, he'll tell me a little something. Yeah, like, yeah. O line, they do the same thing. Like if an O line I mean, pancakes, they'll tell me, "Hey man, you did this. Your foot placing was off. You don't usually do that. What's happened?" Like they know that's the way I play. Like what I got to do to become a better player. So it's definitely you just grow every day around these type of people. Very cool big expectations for Florida State and Jared Verse.
2: Excited to watch him play. I'm sure everybody listening is. Jared Verse, defensive end for Florida State, joining us at the Wesson for ACC kickoff. We appreciate the time. Good luck on the year.
9: Thank you. Thank you for having me, too.
2: Alright, so let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline now and welcome Duke quarterback Riley Leonard to Weston Walker. Riley, thanks so much, man. How's your day going?
10: It's going great. Thank you for
2: having me. Yeah, we appreciate it. I gotta open up with the comment that is probably <laughs> going the most viral of anything anybody said so far uh, on ACC Oh man, media days. We go. Well, I mean, look, it's a great comment. It's also something you don't see a whole lot. That's right. You've asked your mother to talk trash to you in order to build <laughs> some kind of, kind of adversity to go through. Explain, right?
10: Yeah, that's right. So this has actually been happening for a long time. So in high school, everybody wants to give me so much praise, and I kind of got tired of it. I was like, hey, <laughs> somebody's got to tell me I suck every once in a while. And my mom was like, hey, I'll take it. Oh, so she offered to do it. She, she yeah and, and and let me tell you she's she's like the sweetest lady ever, so it's kind of hard for her I, as you can imagine, she's like i love you, you suck I, I love you still, <laughs> but it's 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 been really fun to run with i actually I have the bracelet here that she made for me um and, and 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 this time right now, with all these lists that come out and have me you know rank super high that I'm super grateful for, it's easy for me to become complacent. and and to buy into that and become distracted. So looking down, I always just look back at that.
2: Riley, one, okay, so you have a bracelet that says you suck on it, and you're looking at that during actual regular season games. (laughs) And the other thing is, as you're looking at that, you're hearing your mom's voice in the background, and that's, it's almost like the best water boy copy and paste method I've ever seen in my lifetime. It's fantastic. The other thing is, I don't know if anybody expected you to do what you did last year. It felt like you guys were going through some adversity, not having high expectations, having Mike Elko come in as a new coach, no one thought you were going to have as many wins as you did. And so now everybody is singing your praises, singing Mike Elko's praises. And so how different is this offseason compared to the one that you went through last oh, year? Oh, it's,
10: it's it's night and day. It's, it's really tough, especially for me. Last year at this time, I didn't know if I'd ever play a snap at Duke. I know I, I didn't know if I'd ever end up scoring a touchdown. Um, so, so it's completely different for me in my mindset. Um, it's important for us to stay ground, grounded and, and remember what our edge is. So two things that remind me of Duke football is, one, our work ethic. Um, we're going to get out there and get after people. We're obviously not the biggest, not the fastest, not these four or five-star recruits, but we will outwork you in the off-season. And number two is FBI's football intelligence, something Coach Elko talks a lot about. We obviously have a, you know, smart group of guys because of the school that we're at. Everybody goes to Duke for a reason. So we need to just use that to our advantage and not... You know, get out of character of who we really are,
11: Riley. And I disappear and reappear on him. He just saw me just My a man. few minutes hey. ago, and now we're back <laughs> <Nobody> again. <better. laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so this is the other job, Riley. Okay. So asking you at the end of the season, you guys beat Central Florida, a program that's been as good as anybody over the last four or five years, and you guys beat them soundly. What was the mood in the locker room when that game ended? And heading into the off season, how much did that spearhead you guys as off season?
10: Yeah, we wanted that game so bad we hadn't won a bowl game in I don't know how many years so to go up there in Annapolis and, and win in the, in the military Bowl obviously supporting the troops and it was just an incredible experience as a whole that's what led into the offseason um, you know if we had lost that game it kind of would have left a bad taste in our mouth but after that game we were just locked in because we know just how close we were to you know being even more successful, I, I think we could have had 11, 12 wins last year. So we know what we're really capable of. Obviously, playing a great team like UCF, um, it was great to, you know, get out there on top.
11: All right, so tell me, man, just keep it real. Amongst you guys, you guys are returning 17 starters from a 9-4 and four yeah. football team, but yet you still see these polls. You guys are 8th, ninth, 7th. How much do you guys talk about that amongst each other? Is there a guy on the team that comes in? And mm-hmm. Everybody may not do it, but is there, is there a guy that comes in that's like, man, look at this, man, they, they keep disrespecting us. This is trash. Like how much do you guys kind of look at that? Maybe not necessarily give it all the credence in the world, but you, use that as fuel when you guys get tired in drills and things of that nature.
10: Right, yeah, I'm sure there are a few people on the team that really buy into and use it as motivation, but uh, to be honest with you, the majority of us, if you put us first in the country, you put us last in the country, I mean, what difference does that make us whenever we go to the into the next workout or going into the next practice? We cannot buy into that, and I think that's something that um, a lot of us have, have grown to know over the last couple of years, obviously being projected 2-10 and ten last year. Um, you know, maybe that was a little bit of motivation for us. But whenever you start listening to too, too, too many things, that's when you start to become distracted from you know really what is the main thing.
2: Riley Leonard, Duke quarterback, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Riley, you talked about how you didn't even know if you would play another snap at Duke as that transition was happening. How much thought did you give into transferring out of Duke when Dave Cutcliffe was let go? And what was it about Mike Elko that made you stick around?
10: Yes, for me, uh, to be completely honest, I really didn't think about it at all. I know that's what everybody's gonna say, but I'm am a guy that whenever I meet you and we go in the facility every day, my teammates, how can I how can I how can I leave you? These guys are family to me. How can I leave this education? It was such an easy decision for me. I mean, no one team hit me up twice. It was a, does, is this guy interest? no? I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to leave these guys. I know Coach Elko's gonna come in. We're gonna win football games. So. It it was no problem.
2: What was the selling moment for you? Or I guess, look, because there's some kind of camaraderie that does have to be built with a new coach. David Cutcliffe, we've talked to him a million ACC media days. The guy's fantastic. We love talking to him. Mike Elko comes in off of a weird situation, still. somewhat of a legendary coach at Duke in Dave Cutcliffe, and then Mike Elko has some big shoes to fill, even if you didn't have as many wins the last couple of seasons. What was it about Mike Elko where you were able to buy into him because of what he was selling?
10: Yeah, so I talk about it a lot, but Coach Elko's very first press conference, he got off the plane, went straight to our indoor facility, had this huge press conference, and preached the word now. And he said, we're going to win now. And once you hear that after meeting, after meeting, um, over and over again, you start to believe it. And uh, we carried that out throughout the whole offseason. We go into the first game, and it was true. We shut uh, Temple out to zero points and, and put up 30 ourselves on offense. But after that game, it was like, oh my gosh, this guy really is um, who he says he is. He's going to win football games here at Duke. So that was the huge mindset and a huge culture change for us.
11: Labor Day, you guys have the Clemson Tigers coming in there, and I can't think of a bigger game in the history of Duke football as far as regular season is concerned, or at least in recent memory. It's going to be a huge game because of what you guys did last year. You've got Clemson, and you know what they represent coming in. Is this team ready for that? How excited are you guys uh, for an opportunity like that to start the season off and make that kind of a statement? Because I picked you guys to beat them. He oh did. Man, well, it's got, true. I, I been heard saying it. Saying it. Yep.
10: maybe the only one. <laughs> you, you uh you hit it right on right right the hammer on the head when you said opportunity. Um, this is an opportunity and less of a challenge. Everybody says, "Oh, you're you your schedule this year, that's a real challenge for you guys." No, it's an opportunity to prove to the country that we're not a one-year team. Last year, um, obviously had a great year, but we're here to stay. Coach Elko obviously signing um, an extension in his contract. He's here to stay. All these players, like I say, who have the eligibility to come back, come back. We're here to stay, we're here to win football games for a long time.
11: All right, man, so take me into uh, your off season as far as, yeah, you had a great season last year, as I've said all the time, one of three quarterbacks in the FBS with 20-plus passing touchdowns, 11-plus rushing touchdowns. What was that film room like for you when you went into the off season and said, I need to get better here? What's probably the number one thing you would say that you focused on to add to your game?
10: Yeah, tangibly, I would say just arm strength, and how to control a football game. Uh, some something I've really focused on is getting four yards to play. I know that sounds crazy, but I keep my job as simple as possible. Get four yards of play. You'll average out a first down. You'll create drives. Get playmakers the ball. Don't.
1: McDonald's is not new to chicken. Whether it's
0: audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
10: Don't make it so complex.
2: All right, man. That's Riley Leonard, quarterback for Duke. Sports Radio ninety two seven, WFNZ. As promised, we have Aiden White joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. If you don't know, you should. NC State cornerback, all conference cornerback last year. Although not preseason all conference cornerback this year. How much sense does that make to you if you got the award last year and you're not even on the list this season for the preseason votes?
12: I say it's just preseason, so I wasn't even on the preseason last year, so. Yeah. Not 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 too much worried about what the preseason votes had to say. It really was going to be at the end of the season that you really should worry about. Not even
2: a little bit, though? Like, even a little bit to, to have that as a chip on your shoulder? Are you going to make fun of the media members that did not vote for you at the end once you do get all conference?
12: Nah, they just, they just doing their job, and they're project, they projecting <laughs> who they think will be, so I just have to show them.
2: I'm trying to make Aiden White as unprofessional as possible, but it's not working. He's being <laughs> as professional as he possibly can. But you got some good tips, apparently, because yeah. NC State, you are by far the most inexpensive experienced media day member here that NC State brought. Brendan Armstrong, you said this is like his third media day. Peyton Wilson came in, this is his second. You said that they gave you some tips. What were some tips they gave you?
12: Uh just don't be too nervous with everything. Like some of the questions they're gonna ask gonna be similar in a similar fashion so you can reel off some of the similar answers. And they're just telling me when we get to the big conference room like Definitely just try to find a person because you, you can go in there it can be intimidating at first. So when you go in there and try to find a person that's asking you the question, you'll be good.
2: All right. So I asked you what you wanted to talk about because so many times you don't get to dictate that. I wanted you to control the interview a little bit. You said you wanted to talk about your depth. That's something you seem very excited about coming into this season. Why are you so excited about your defensive depth this year?
12: Well, I say with everything with COVID, it gave everybody an extra year so. With the depth that we have, there's players that haven't played that know the scheme really well. So that would that'd be less taxing on me and Shaheen's body, not 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 us having to play every snap throughout every game. So we can have somebody that come in and relieve us, so we can go out there. Because with receivers rotating so often, running go ball after go ball after goal ball, it can get real taxing for a DB just being out there on that island. And that one play, he can guard all four of those go balls, but that fifth goal ball will be the one that get him. So just having that depth that can come in and relieve you would be good. Is,
2: is there like a, a snap count consecutively? Not that you're never ever gonna play more than five snaps on a go route, but is there one that you feel comfortable? Okay, I can give you 100% here. My fatigue might be setting in, so this is when you got to bring someone in. Is there like a snap count that y'all are messing with at all?
12: Uh, not this right. My test? Yeah, not right now. I would say mostly with me and Shaheen playing most of the snaps last year, you don't really think too much about it. You just out there balling, but you definitely feel it after the game on your body. So. But like I said, just having some of those guys come in and relieve us will definitely uh, help us later on, later down the road.
2: How much were you feeling fatigued after the 86-yard pick six? That oh, had?
12: I, I had to take a break after that one. <laughs> no, 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 I, <laughs> I had to take so. a break after that one.
2: I imagine so. That is the voice of Aiden White on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, the NC State All-Conference cornerback. Aiden, you made a huge leap last year reaching All-ACC, as we've mentioned. What are some of the things that you fine-tuned this offseason heading into the upcoming year?
12: I would say I've been working a lot on my man press uh, technique. that allowing us to do that a lot more within our scheme. So, and just being being able to decipher routes a lot better, being better with my eyes. So, last year was really my first year being on that stage as a starter. So now I think I can just build off what I did last year to make this year even better.
2: Well, and we are also talking about the ACC in general. I'm excited as hell for this year like it seems like there's a lot of talent within the conference and there's always talented pieces But it does seem this year nobody's sneaking up on anybody except for NC State because they always seem to Even if nobody's talking about NC State as much you guys at least rattle off eight wins But people still talk about you guys getting over the hump. What does getting over the hump mean to you? What is that next goal you're looking to reach?
12: I would say ACC championship, national championship. That's that's an, that's the goal that you start every summer workout with. You want to get there. You want to, and any, anything below that would be disappointment. So we're just working towards that ACC and that national championship.
2: I feel like that's probably getting over the hump as well. An ACC mm-hmm. championship would be fantastic for NC State. You have to get through some pretty talented quarterbacks this year, though. I mean, the ACC is going to be covering a lot of the receivers that those quarterbacks are throwing, uh, that the quarterbacks are throwing, to, And you had to battle a lot of good QBs last year, and you did a great job. Hardest QB you've had to defend so far, the guy that took the most preparation and was as good as you expected out there on the football field.
12: Um, I'd probably say uh, UNC quarterback. He yeah. just... Especially with his balls, he's so, he's so accurate where he places it. So it's real hard to definitely, like, a go ball over the shoulder. He's, he's real good with how he places the ball. So that's probably one of the best that I've played so far. Um,
2: you're even giving him credit after his comments at the beginning of last season when he said NC State is a place that guys will go to if they can't get in North Carolina. Uh, remember yeah, those comments? Yeah, I don't
12: really <laughs> trust too much on
2: that. But was that the whole team around though? Like, was that the, the kind of reception you had going in? How much did you care about that comment when he made
12: I don't think we really care too much. We just worried about being NC State and then playing our ball, playing our brand of ball, which I think we showed. You absolutely did. Uh,
2: I did want to talk a little bit more about Coach Dave Doran. When he responds later in the season, saying how elitist UNC is, discussing how much Carolina's coaching staff uses that against some of the recruits you guys are going at, or that NC State is going after, Is that something that you respond to as a team? When your own coach is talking about some of that, even after the game, is that something you guys respond to and then run a run through the brick wall and do that whole cliche?
12: I definitely say Coach Dorn. Leading up to that week, Coach Dorn gets us real hype about the game because it's a big-time rivalry in North Carolina. That I mean, everybody's watching that game in North Carolina. So just we following dave Dorn's lead and he's a good coach that leads us in the right direction always
2: 100 percent. that's aiden white joining us on the bodyworks plus guest hotline sports radio 92 7 wfnz aiden we appreciate the time man have a great rest of your day at acc media day
12: yes sir i appreciate you
2: it's weston walker sports radio 927 wfnz we're live at the weston uptown charlotte acc kickoff day number two for us Day number three for the event overall, and it is a pleasure to welcome Joe Ovius on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline of the Ovius and Gilio podcast. You can find it on YouTube. Very easy; just type in Ovius and Gilio and you can search him on Twitter at Joe Ovius. YouTube influencer is what it says in your bio on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. How are you uh, doing in the influencer day? So
4: far, so good. I mean, I mean, we picked. Too hell of a last you know our last names are really easy to spell og is such a good name i know i know and we're going with that no things have been going well since uh, our positions were eliminated in this business but as you know what is radio uh, you know you come out to radio row for for things like this at acc kickoff and you see podcasts you see youtube channels you see the acc network being non-stop with the cameras so we're just kind of moving with the times and things have been good and it's good to get back here and get hyped for another football season. It's it's about time. I'm ready for football. I appreciate you indulging me with my request by the way because
2: you brought me a cup. Yeah. The cup's great. It's a color changing cup. I I thought it might be. Yeah. We're going to have to test it out. The color I look. I'm it It's got to be old. cold
4: though. Cold beer will really work with that thing.
2: Look, I'm 5 years old. I'm going to be enthralled with a color changing cup. Well, That's just as, how it is.
4: As one of our listeners told me with all the merch that we've got stickers, cups, <laughs> and some other stuff. There's like are you some sort of indie punk band merch table? I'm like, yeah, kind of we are. I so we're making it work. It. I also brought you baseball cards. Well, this this is this is what i wanted to get to because
2: yeah. you have the best stick here you are opening <laughs> the baseball cards with different guests that come over and yeah. not only baseball cards by the way yeah i've seen people open up am i right to say pokemon cards
4: po- pokemon cards um i saw Those garbage pale kids that's what i i didn't who well, you okay so how old difference. are you walking? i'm 30. okay that explains it. <laughs> so yeah that so that that explains it so i'm 44 and there was a phenomenon known as the cabbage patch kids I know the cabbage patch. Okay, kids. so they're in response to the cabbage patch kids mm-hmm. they made the garbage pail kids. And there was all these if you find the originals, they're worth money because they're incredibly problematic. Okay. Like these I know people like to go on about cancel culture which shh isn't real, mm-hmm. but people would lose their minds in today's day and age so. They've rebranded them. There's still a little like potty humor stuff. But it really is a line of demarcation of how old you are. Are you going Pokemon, or are you going Garbage Pail? And the thing that really is, you get a bunch of old sports media dudes in one room and you drop a pack of 1987 Topps baseball cards, they lose their minds. Everybody, People going after
2: Well, Well, everybody's scratching their neck like Tyrone Biggs. <laughs> they need to open up more baseball cards. <laughs> I really did question whether I wanted you to bring over Pokemon because I had my face. Yeah. I had my big-time face. And by the way, speaking of Pokemon, I promise we'll get to some actual ACC <laughs> conversation in a moment. Did you see Nick Curio's back tattoo? No, I didn't. Full of Pokemon now. Really? I mean, straight all across his back. Okay. I saw Blastoise. I saw Gengar, I saw Mewtwo, I'm embarrassing myself by listing all these Pokemon, no, it's okay. but I saw Live all your of truth, them. truth, man. I'm living my truth by telling you, it looks cool, I would never do it. If you get one Pokemon on your body, yeah, probably not anything that I'm gonna roll with, no. but this guy has nothing but the original 150, 151 if you want to count Mew on
4: his back. Now would you go original? thick with two c's pikachu <laughs> or would you go so with the cartoon skinny pikachu? oh i like the it's almost like you put it in microsoft
2: word and then clicked on the box and then clicked the wideness yeah. and you didn't go diagonal yeah, box yeah i feel like they did that when they were first coming out with pokemon cards yeah. and you got thick with two c's pikachu I, I like that. Thickachu, if you will. Thickachu? I'm trying to make it work. <laughs> it's Joe obvious joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I wanted to talk a little bit about some of your main takeaways so far, what you've had. Um, let's start with Jim Phillips because chronologically yeah. he hit everybody with media availability
4: and gave us some comments. What was your main takeaway from his presence? Look, uh, Jim Phillips is representing what the presidents of the ACC want. Uh, in the same way that we bang on Roger Goodell for the ills of the NFL, he's the meat shield for the owners. He gets paid a lot of money to go take those arrows for the owners and jim phillips or any commissioner really is in the same boat so if people get really annoyed at the way jim phillips is a true believer in the collegiate model he wants student athletes not employees i'm not going to fault him for it It comes from a genuine place he's not just saying it to say it he actually believes what he's saying and i've made the joke he's, he's kind of like an obi-wan man he's he's got that that hokey religion that he believes in while we all kind of see where the reality of this is going. And that and that's the thing that every college commissioner and every president, every A D, every coach is gonna to have to understand. In the next three years there's enough there's enough legal matters that will be settled in the courts that will ultimately decide that student athletes are employees of the university. They generate way too much money for these schools for them not to be considered that it's run like a business so you might as well treat it that way that might bother some of the listeners it's fine but just think about it think about yourself at a company you bring value to your company you you expect to be paid to do that and you don't also want an oversight committee to get in the way of your earnings and what's funny about some of the stuff that's going through the legislation right now i I read one piece from a from a from a constitutional legal scholar but look at you who said shout out to matt brown Extra Point. no no <laughs> matt brown extra points newsletter if you're into the business of college sports i highly recommend you get his newsletter but he had like a guest post from a guy whose job it is to look at this constitutional legal stuff and he goes if they pass it it's illegal it would not hold up in court because the government can't do these types of things so i just wish that one of these commissioners and the one that we actually care about the acc would go a step forward and hit up the Saudi investment fund. No, I'm kidding. There you go. Uh, and bring all the money in. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that I like you no, whispering just... cancel culture isn't real
2: and bringing up Saudi money. I love that. The text line is going bonkers. Uh, they always do. <laughs>
4: ask, ask Kyle every time I come on and and I start, you know, bringing up Cam Newton again. And then the uh, the text lines. I know, I know how Charlotte works. Well, you know all the hits, man. <laughs> I know how Charlotte works. Like, y'all don't know I don't pay attention. You
2: but want anyway. to talk about bringing a baseball team to the city? You want to talk about that as well? You know well, you actually,
4: are, you, you, honestly, you're in better position than our area is in the triangle. I mean, I the only thing, if I if I know my local politics correctly, the night stadium, as nice as it is, was boxed in and they can't expand it. You know, it's Who's not talked about. galaxy around? brain was that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and you got a guy like David Tepper who, who brought live music to the area, I might remind you. Thank you, David. We appreciate it. So, that. maybe he wants to bring baseball, too. He's not bringing Messi, because they ain't putting grass on the field, but <laughs> no. that's another matter entirely. Uh, that's Joe Ovius
2: on the Body Works <laughs> Plus guest hotline. Ovius and Gilio podcast. I love every bit of it. You brought up Obi-Wan. I feel like Jim Phillips was telling us these aren't The drones you're looking for when telling us how the league is in a good place, but not even so much changing. No, and this is what I'm saying. Like, so many people feel like he's trying to wave his hand and hypnotize you, but everybody loves to clown the commissioner for every sport. Rob Manfred gets a four year deal. Everybody clowns it, but Rob Manfred, still, you know, as the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Mm -hmm. apparently he's doing enough to, you know, appease the owners within the sport. Everybody loves clowning Roger Goodell when really I think a lot of the criticism is more reserved for the owners. My question is, let's make it real simple. Is Jim Phillips deserving of all of the criticism that he gets as
4: much as he does? Or is he actually not as bad as everybody thinks he is? John Swaffer got the same criticism when he was the commissioner of the ACC. It's also not his job to make sure that Florida State isn't broke. That's Florida State's problem. Florida State's the one that's made the decisions to get out of the hole that Jimbo Fisher put him in with bad hiring decisions. Now, Credit to Mike Norvell, who seems to have turned this thing around finally in a pretty quick turnaround with the transfer portal, things like that. But Clemson's been running the league. Florida State should be good. Is it Jim Phillips' fault that Miami can't make the right hire? And I don't even know if Mario Cristobal is still the right hire. He might not be futuristic enough for what Miami needs to do. So that's not, that's not Jim's fault. And ultimately, we there's two problems in college athletics right now. One of them is who sets the tone for the conversation? ESPN, right? ESPN's your partner for the ACC Network. They're here, they do a good job, they hire some good people. But do they ever put an ACC Network person to set the table for the college football discussion on their national show? No. Who do they put on? Paul Feinbaum. What's Paul Feinbaum's job? <laughs> Paul Feinbaum's job, not to just be a, a truth bomber, but also to promote the SEC. That's who he rolls for. So he gets on there and he starts clowning Clemson, he starts clowning other, you know, Dabo and various other things, or Notre Dame. Who's that benefiting? It's benefiting the conversation around the SEC. So you have to take a look at, look, college athletics, college football in particular, thrives. The oxygen of college football is stupid conversations. We love. The hypotheticals. This team could be, this passes the eye test, even though we know this team just beat this other team. So that, that's kind of a problem for the ACC. They don't have anybody that really runs the show the way Paul Feinbaum does. And they never will because the ACC fan base just isn't wired like the SEC. The other problem that we have, too, when it comes to uh, the ACC in particular, is that, and the reason why they're in the, mon- the monetary situation they're in right now, is because the teams that they expanded to get were not as build. Miami never showed up in an ACC championship game until 2017, yeah. and then they got run over by Clemson at Bank of America Stadium, and now they're going through it again. Florida State, as I mentioned. Are you telling me that the ACC's financial situation wouldn't be better if those three teams that I mentioned, and Virginia Tech, how am I forgetting? Kyle's probably yelling at the radio right now, that had Virginia Tech not gone through the wilderness post-Beamer uh, but Ball... That the ACC would be in a much better position, but that's on them, not the commissioner. Yeah, is it that simple? I mean, is it just, hey, Florida State, Miami, be better, and we're not talking yeah. about this so much? It's not that complicated, man. Yeah. It's not that complicated. We're, we're acting like you know, doing sports talk radio is you know, doing nuclear fission here. It's not. Go win. You have the resources. Go win. Uh, Texas is a prime example of this. How much money does Texas have? Honestly, think about it. Texas has run like the Dallas Cowboys in terms of cash. Does Texas expect that being unable to win in the Big 12 with all that money is somehow going to translate to winning in the SEC? I think it was Brett Yeomark, the uh, Big 12 commissioner, absolutely roasted him and he told no lies when he said Texas would rather lose to Alabama, Texas would rather lose to Georgia than getting beat by Iowa State, because that's going to look better for them. But the point is, they're still getting beat. Well, and here we are
2: talking about the conference, and I know it's talking season. Sometimes I will buy the hype, and sometimes I won't. It's exactly the area I'm going to go into right now Mm -hmm. with some of these hypotheticals. I, I do think that with Florida State, bringing guys, so many guys back, mm-hmm. I, I like Florida State a lot. It's hard not to. I know they're the talk of the town, but they're also coming in with the kind of swagger that is very interesting. Plus, Jared Verse, top five pick. Trey Benson has some nice move to him. We know about mm-hmm. Jordan Travis. Like Florida State, Miami, it'll be interesting to see if Cristobal does have somewhat of the success that he has at Oregon with Tyler Van Dimes or Tyler Van Dyke showing up. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it does seem like they've got enough talent do we end this next season in a better spot than where we began with the acc they should it should be
4: but we'll find out really quick with north carolina because it's all about non-conference stuff right yeah it's all non-conference stuff and we get those tests early on and again i think the biggest one the biggest tell for me in terms of how the acc is going to be is that south carolina north carolina game right back here at bank of america stadium where game day is going to be north carolina has a top draft pick on the roster They've gone through the portal to get better in the secondary. They made some coaching dis- coaching changes on the back end. Gene Chiswick's still the defensive coordinator, but it tells you where Mac Brown is when they tell Dre Bly, thanks for everything you've done. Yeah. But it's time to go in on a new direction. And they bring in a new offensive coordinator with Phil Longo going to Wisconsin. So I do think that North Carolina actually is gonna be your what is it? What's the thing you find water with? The uh, the dividing rod? Oh, you know, that's that, right. Is that I? I can't tell yet. I think I mean, that's the divining rod, right? Where we're going to find the water. I think that's ultimately where you're going. Where the ACC going to go is going to be based on how North Carolina goes, because they really have the recipe there for them to have a really special season. If they can't get past Shane Beamer in game one, well, then we're right back having the conversation we always have. All right, that is the voice of Joe
2: Ovius on the Bodyworks Plus guest hotline. It's time. I want to open these bases. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you gonna right, eat the gum? Um, Come on, man. Eat the you gum. You know with what? Man. I will. I've seen you drink some pretty putrid stuff
4: before. Yeah, so man. I, feel I, like, I had okay. a 1993 Carolina Panthers. You just got the team Coca-Cola. <laughs> it <laughs> tasted. It tasted like somebody had poured that soda into a dirty dish rag and then wrung it out.
2: Yeah. Um, wrung it out. I have the North
4: Carolina Georgetown. I think
2: I've got that Coca-Cola bottle. Oh, not, or maybe '93 or '82. Okay. <gasps> think Right I out it. of the gate. Are you opening with that Oh yeah! Right that's out of the gate. Oh, these two are diehard hard
4: Mets fans. <laughs> hey, man, take uh, it. I gotta give it to Gold. Might want it. Well, so
2: my it. question: What's the best card that we've pulled? Well, so far? I was an Ozzy
4: Smith. I was an Ozzy Smith guy. Oh, okay. So when I got the Ozzy Smith card, co- oh, Kirby Puckett. Oh. Um, so Kirby Puckett reminds me of a historic
2: fight between my brothers when it eventually <laughs> led to one of my brothers at the top of the stairs, one of my brothers at the bottom. The one at the top had my brother's Kirby Puckett rookie card saying, I'll bleeping cut it, Bobby. I'll oh, bleeping geez. cut it. Eventually cut it in half. Yeah. Rookie Kirby Puckett card. That was his Look at Roger Clemens before the, uh, the alleged Is this the best
4: pack you've ever – Terry Francona? As a, as a cub. That's good stuff right there. I haven't all right, man. gotten anybody with the kind of star power, right. I- anybody at all. So, like, I'm hey, looking for anybody. There's a top special spring fever baseball offer. Um, you think if I send this in, I'll get one? I think so. I'll mail th- it in. i, it. I think, see what happens. I don't think the
2: expiration date has So you guys uh, don't have don't cameras?
4: Know. No. Because <laughs> you know what? We don't. We need you, you need somebody to film, you and me. All right, let's do it. Get the gum. I almost threw it away. No, accident. you can't do that. You can't uh, do by that. By the way, I think Whitey Herzog. That's the best one I got. That's well, you you know, know. We had a Tommy Lasorda, and it's wild to me how Tommy Lasorda already looked like 100 years old <laughs> in 1987. <laughs> that's, that's, it's like, man, does he always look like this? Yes, 100%. Um,
2: I think I have every piece. It <laughs> Here's is crumbly. The thing, here, it is me- fine.
4: There is the, it is thick. I'm a wor- word of warning, okay, because uh-huh. I did this once already. Jeff Halfley, by the way, is the only coach here who's had the gum. It's going to disintegrate. I hope you go get water at, at the break. And again, I ask. The reason why I ask cameras is, y'all, it's 2023. You yeah. gotta go viral. You I ready? Know. I even come from somewhat of a YouTube background now with the You're podcast. young. Come I on, know, man. I know. All right. Don't let the 44-year-old do this. All right, ready? Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, cheers to you. Again. Boom. <sniffs> you, hear <that? laughs> you hear that? You hear that? You hear that, guys? Oh God. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. crunchy. All right. That is all kinds of bad. That is gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, does you... it doesn't. It takes me back to when I was eight years old. What are you talking about? Um, oh, I've got more. I'm going to do it. Oh, God. You hear that? Mmm. That's
2: gross. That's Joe Obvious making me eat what is awful gum that is probably 50 years old. Find him on YouTube. Obvious and Gilio Podcast. This is This is the hardest I've ever had to give us an outro here. Joe, we appreciate it, and also I'm a little mad at you right now. <laughs> Fight about children at Joe Obvious. Kate Klubnick, starting quarterback, working alongside Garrett Riley. That's
11: right, man. I know he's just like, man, I just saw this guy in the other Can't room. Get rid <laughs> <of him. laughs> he pops up on the radio. Listen, Kate, sometimes when you don't make it to the NFL, you got to work really hard, man, to try to do stuff and have multiple <laughs> jobs, you know? So we got two jobs out
2: here. That's why I didn't make it. I, I wasn't in the NFL, so with these noodle arms. That's, That's right. why I'm doing media right now.
11: That's right. Well, Kate, listen, man, this is your show this year under Coach Garrett Riley, and a lot of people have talked about uh, the marriage, like Walker said between you two and him coming in having an offense that you were used to running to come in coming used to running out of texas where you came from in high school man so just talk about what the difference has been with coach riley this spring and how excited you are coming into this fall
13: yeah uh so excited uh so excited i mean he's just a guy that that brings a lot of energy brings a lot of confidence um you know I, i feel like i I feel like I see a lot of myself in him, which is kind of, I know strange to say about an older person, but um, I feel like we're just very similar in in that kind of aspect. So uh, we've we've been getting along super, super well and uh, just super excited. It's Kay Klubnick joining us
2: here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline live at ACC kickoff. Kate, how tough was last year for you? Look, I understand you're playing quarterback for Clemson, right? It's a phenomenal opportunity. At the end, you start to play a little bit more. The North Carolina game, the ACC championship, that was really when you got to play a full game's worth almost of excellent football. How hard was it trying to find a rhythm for you when you didn't know necessarily how many snaps you were going to play week in and week out?
13: yeah uh just i mean honestly i just trusted the coaches um at the end of the day it wasn't my timing um and you know i was just i, w- I would be ready every single week um but you know i i, I prepared every single week like i was going to start um and then the moment came and i was ready and um just just trust the coaches with that and yeah.
2: So, how different is this off-season for you? Because you have DJU as the starter last year, and then eventually you would take over. So, how different is the off-season for you now, knowing that you're going to be the guy taking over for this offense?
13: Yeah, uh, it's been great. It really has. I feel like I've been able to just step up as a leader, uh, step up in this program in ways that they need me to, um, and and just ways that I that we didn't have before, um, and just. I, I, it's been so good to just push guys in places that they haven't been able to be pushed. Uh, just push guys to places that they 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 didn't want to get pushed. Uh, they they weren't ready to, to take that next step to actually be great to, to hopefully work like a national champion. Um, and and that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to that's what I'm trying to get this team to. And we got great leaders amongst this team that that we're all the, we're all on the same page. Uh, we're, we're all in the same mindset of, of where we really want to be. And ultimately, that's that's when a national championship.
11: And, Kay, talk about just it's one thing to go to a program with, with big expectations where people expect you to win championships. But at Clemson, not only do you have to deal with that, but then you have to deal with fans comparing you to two college football legends and Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. So just talk about uh, some of the fun parts of that and then some of the parts that are tough because that adds on to the expectations of already winning championships.
13: Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, comparisons are going to happen here and there. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just trying to play like me. Um, my mom always says, just be you. Um, and if I do that, then everything will be okay. So I'm just trying to be Cade at the end of the day. I'm just trying to be the best me that I can possibly be. But um, just attack every single day. And um, I, I think if, if we do that and everybody does that on our team and we, we play like Clemson every single week, then, then we should be all
11: right. And then I've got to ask you, too, when you look at the landscape of the ACC uh, with yourself in the year that you could have, Drake May, Jordan Travis, Riley Leonard, and all of those guys, let's talk about the the quarterback talent in the ACC alone and how much does that motivate you each and every week just to go out and ball out? And do you ever check on any of the other guys and be like, oh, i got to see what he did Mm -hmm. today?
13: (laughs) No, I mean, definitely. I mean, there's so much talent in this league right now, uh, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, you got like you say we got we got drake you got uh travis you got uh riley you got you got so many guys that you know they've done great things already and they're going to continue to do great things and have a great career uh hopefully at the next level um so to play them week in week out you know we're going to get to probably play all we're going to get to play them all this year um and that's going to be a great matchup for our defense and um but I'm, i'm focused on Cade right now and i'm focused on being the best me that i can be and i'm not trying to compare myself Um, I'm I'm not anybody else, so I'm not going to try to be anybody else. Um, So I've I've gotten to where I am right now just being Cade, so I'm just going to try to keep doing that.
2: Um, so you brought up your mom giving you some advice. We also just talked about Riley Leonard. Did you see what Riley Leonard has his mom do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I heard about that. Have you experimented with getting a wristband that says you suck and then hearing your mom's voice in the background? Has that been something that occurred to you at all? <laughs>
13: uh, I've not. I've not done <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's not anything, pretty funny stuff.
2: Though. Yeah, it's not anything that I've uh, wanted to have either. L- last question before we get you out of here. So your mom's not going to get mad at you, right? I want to know what the angriest Coach Sweeney has been at you because we've been doing ACC media <laughs> days for quite some time. I've heard some pretty legend legendary chew outs from I think we had Cleveland Furl on not you know a couple of years ago same thing with Christian Wilkins is there one specific time you can remember the angriest that coach has ever been at you
13: um <laughs> I know you got uh, it Just it's okay you can yeah. let it, save safe space uh, I mean you know I, I made a pretty big mistake last year a rookie mistake in the uh, in the in the orange bowl last year up right before the half I'm not getting rid of the ball, so that that was that was that was a pretty rough one.
2: Was that on the sideline, just letting you have it? Yeah. Okay.
11: All right. Well, we I'm won't gonna, go anymore. And, <laughs> and I got one more for K too. I got to okay. give it up. I saw you on an interview. You were sitting on a couch, and you had on, I think it was a dope vintage Clemson T-shirt, or it was some type of vintage T-shirt. Yeah, you know what was, I'm
13: talking about? Yeah. It was a. Uh, oh man. Uh... Oh man, it was a Kansas City Chiefs uh, sweatshirt. Yeah, you had it one.
11: was it was dope. But I just wanted to ask you, are you a vintage merch guy, man? Because you were you were pretty <laughs> drippy when I saw that. I said, man, I said, K, has got some uh, got, got some swag there. Do you find Do you have a little vintage shop down there in Clemson that you go find that stuff, or you get it offline?
13: Yeah, there, there's a good vintage shop in Clemson. I got one of my buddies that actually runs like a vintage shop that uh, he end up he ended up giving me that, guessing me. Gifting it to me for for that uh, for that podcast, so yeah.
2: All right, all right,
11: man. Appreciate That's it.
2: Trippy, Cade joining us here on <laughs> and Walker. Uh, we appreciate the time, Cade. Awesome, thank y'all. NC State head football coach Dave Doran to the program. Coach, thanks so much. How's it going? Going good. Yeah, we appreciate you hopping on with us, and you're going into your 11th year as NC State head coach. You're the eighth longest tenured coach, alongside Mark Stoops. Is it fair to say that you're a lifer with NC State now? <laughs>
14: It's it's uh pretty unreal, you know, to think about yourself in that top ten and tenure in college football, you know, just the way it is. So, I love NC State, man. I, I hope I do get to retire here. That's kind of been my dream all along. So we'll see where we end up. Well, you were obviously about- they gotta to want to keep me that long too. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you were 40 years old around then when
2: you took the job at NC State. Now that you're heading into your 11th season, what kind of advice would you give yourself over 10 years ago when you took this job?
14: Oh, that's a great question you know i think you know who you have on your staff is a big deal and uh i've learned a lot along the way about what i need supporting me and the players and you know just being true to that you know i think sometimes it's okay to have to make changes you know and, and you can get into a deal where you don't and you maybe accept accept some things on your staff that you shouldn't and uh i, I love what i have now you know and I think there's just along the way you learn a lot when you're an assistant coach they don't train you to be a head coach you kind of have to learn it on the fly when you get the job
11: coach so when you looked at your quarterback situation this off season and you looked into the portal and you looked everywhere that you could find basically including having a pretty good young guy on your roster already mj morris but what made you target brendan armstrong and what made that relationship come together
14: well when i hired coach and i uh, i asked him to go to our bowl practices and evaluate our team And then talked to me about areas he thought we might need to get into the portal and and find some older players for competition. And we lost Devin Leary and Ben Finley in the portal. And so we were going to be returning two quarterbacks that were 19 and 18 years old. And so we wanted to find another guy that had some age, some experience, uh, whether he'd win the job or not. At that time, we didn't know. Uh, It just happened that Brennan was in the portal when we had that discussion. And so it wasn't like a package deal. You know, we had to go recruit. We recruited a lot of guys for that spot, and Brennan visited uh, Oklahoma State, he visited Wisconsin, visited us. Ultimately, this was the right fit for both sides, and once we got into spring ball and started seeing his command of the offense and how he could help coach it and different things, it made it pretty obvious that it was great having an older guy, and I'm excited for MJ and, and Lex, too. Those two young guys are really good players, and the way they can learn and benefit from not just competing with Brennan, but having a guy in the room that's had the experiences that he's had. Yeah, Coach, and so when you talk about MJ, he goes
11: 60% completion, seven touchdowns to one interception, and he showed a lot of promise. And in this climate of college football, when you're talking the portal and all those things, how difficult or what type of job do you guys have to do to keep a talented guy like that uh, fed, so to speak, to tell him, hey, you know, we got Brennan and he could be the starter, but you're still in the plan so that they don't go hit the portal.
14: Well, there's a lot of discussions that happen, and the content of those are private, you know. But I think the thing I've always tried to do is have those discussions and not have gray area between us. Sometimes that's more hard or more difficult than others because we're traveling at times and can't be, like, on the spot. But, you know, I have such great respect for MJ and his family, and we have a lot of hope for his future here. And I do hope um, that being 19 with a 23-year-old is an incredible opportunity for him. Uh, as we know there are no guarantees you know i mean just because he has this guy that's older than him in the room doesn't mean that he's going to not play right and if i could redshirt him and give him that benefit it'd be phenomenal can i do that last year i played four quarterbacks so i can't promise that you know what i mean but i think his future is unbelievably bright his leadership capabilities and he did play well last year he also had to deal with some injuries so having a year of development would be incredible for that young man dave doran nc state football coach
2: joining us on the bodyworks plus guest hotline here we are talking about the transfer portal you talked about losing devin leary coach were you surprised to lose leary in the portal
14: well i thought i was going to lose him to the nfl you know i mean i never thought he'd be back when the season started but then when it became time for him not to go because of his injury um, he didn't wasn't going to be ready for pro day he felt like you know, going somewhere else, being a different offense or playing for a different coach or just testing the NIL waters, whatever it was, was the right move for him. And I wished him luck and thanked him for what he did at NC State. And I was surprised, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that surprise me now in, in college football. So, you know, at the end of the day, you want guys to finish the ride the way they want to finish it, you know, and you want to help them to the best of your ability. I I truly do wish them the best. Well, in so much of the
2: conversation now about your quarterback situation, it's okay, if Brendan Armstrong is indeed the guy, then do we go back to 2021 Armstrong where he had one of the better years in all of college football I mean the numbers were outrageous that he put up both passing and even rushing and that was alongside your offensive coordinator now with Anai what was it about that marriage between your offensive coordinator and now Brendan Armstrong a guy on your roster that you think worked for him in 2021 that you can replicate here in 2023
14: well we hope we can you know it won't be identical we have different parts than they had at Virginia and That's what I like about Coach and I. He can tweak the offense to fit the parts, and if it's running back or receiver or tight end where we might have better or worse than them, he's going to be able to adjust those things. But, you know, I think for Brennan, it's being in a system that he trusts, understanding how it works. He's been through the install four times with this offense, and he knows it word for word, you know. So for him, there's a big comfortability there. Coach, you guys defensively, one of the best in the country last year, only giving up
11: 19 points a game. You were second uh, in the ACC in total defense. And for you, uh, you guys are developing a bit of a reputation on defense. So tell me about how you're able to continually recruit guys to make that defense successful. And for you, do you feel like the secret sauce has been just finally getting an offense that can give you even just enough points to be able to support such great defenses?
14: Well, yeah, I mean, complimentary football is a big deal. You want to be able to score 31 points or more a game. That gets you into kind of the categories of of winning championships when you look at those teams at the end of the year. And to do that, you know, it's defense handling their business like they have been. We led the league in interceptions, led the league in scoring defense. So, you know, can we do that with the, the guys we're replacing? I think that's a great challenge. You know, Tony Gibson, my D coordinator, and his staff do an awesome job. I know he's excited about the opportunity and the challenge to repeat. And, Coach, Peyton
11: Wilson's a guy, man, you talk about a vet that's been through it all. He's coming into the league once again as one of the best linebackers, the last of those great three when you had Moore and Drake Thomas. But just talk about Peyton Wilson yeah. and his journey and how excited you are for him this year.
14: Yeah, I love Peyton. He's a, he's a warrior the way he plays and trains and the, the passion he has for the game. How personal his performance is and, and the way that he'll own things when he doesn't do it well. You know, he always is working on himself. He's really stepped into a leadership role now that I haven't seen him take on, and I'm proud of him for that. So excited to see this last year with him at the college level. Of course, we have a couple of players from
2: your school with Icky Aquanu and Chandler Savala now right? being yeah. drafted. How excited were you to see Savala get back to yeah. playing with Icky Aquanu
14: well, I know Icky was fired up. Yeah, you know, Him and Chandler were really good next to each other. Um, Icky's junior year, and I think that was a great decision by, by Carolina, bringing him in. And Chandler's a talented guy. He's got a lot of upside. He's strong and he's a super, super human being. He'll be great in the organization. So, yeah, it's fun for us to have two of our guys here in state playing and for Icky to be hometown playing down the road from Providence Day.
2: All right, Dave, last question for you here. We were talking about Bryce Young having to sing a karaoke song as we speak about the Carolina Panthers because of the rookie stuff that goes on with these NFL teams. What's your go-to karaoke song if you were pressed on one? Is there one that you feel confident you could sing and belt out?
14: Oh, that's an interesting question, one I haven't had today. you know, it'd probably be a, a Johnny Cash song. Okay. Uh, something in the lower range that I might be able to pull off without cracking my voice too bad. But Ring of Fire is a pretty easy one to sing. Uh, or maybe a Jimmy Buffett song, one of those.
2: All right, so we'll get right, you coach. to sing Margaritaville or uh, Walk the Line <laughs> next time that we have you on. That's Coach Dave Doran joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Coach, thanks so much for hopping on. All
6: right, guys. Thanks, Coach. Go pat